It is good to see you on this Palm Sunday. I love this time of year. Hey, if you are a, a voting member of our church, we are approving our list of deacons today. These are our recognized servants of the church, and they are so helpful to us. They free up your pastors to do their work of ministry. And so make sure you take time to vote on each and every one before you leave today. Uh, thanks, everybody, who came to yesterday's Community Day event. We quickly had to pull everything inside because of the wind and, and some of the rain. We did it, and we had a great event. I served a lot of folks from our community, so thank you for serving. Uh, now, uh, this is a great week for us. Tonight, we'll gather. We've got uh, opportunities for your kids and youth. Adults, on Sunday nights, when the kids are here, we offer for you what we call fireside chats. Different topics that we talk through tonight, I'm going to be leading the fireside chat and we're going to have some uh, important time of prayer uh, for Easter, some of our missionaries. But then we're going to have an open Bible Q&A time. So you just bring your Bible. You may have some questions about our study in Leviticus or just literally anywhere. This is your opportunity to stump Pastor Dwayne with your Bible questions. And so we'll be meeting in the fireside room at 6. Then Friday night at 6.30, we will gather, our whole church family will gather for a very special Good Friday service. I always look forward to that. And um, we'll be contemplating the crucifixion. And then uh, we'll, we'll get Jesus in the tomb. And then on Sunday, we'll get him out of the tomb and we'll praise God for the glorious resurrection, amen. So Easter Sunday, and look, we'll, we've got two services, so we've got room for your friends. Please be inviting some folks, come and uh, join you on Easter Sunday. Often people are looking for a church and and, and hey, if you're visiting with us, please come back on Easter. Let's celebrate the resurrection together. We would absolutely love to have you. Um, one more thing, uh, as we grow, we are opening up more opportunities for our little ones downstairs and we wanna open up another classroom for our crawlers. And uh, we would love you to serve those crawlers. And if you'd like to serve our kids on a Sunday morning, either at the 9.15, hour 11, please let us know. We could use your help and, and we want to love on these children the best we can. All right, so let's find Leviticus chapter eight. I'm, I'm teaching through Leviticus. We're in the study of the books of the law, the Torah, because this is where we build the foundation of our faith, right? The Old Testament, especially the law, is the foundation for which biblical Christianity is built upon. If you don't understand the law and the purpose of the law, it's going to be difficult for you to understand who we are and why we are. And so we need to go through this, even though at times what we find in the Old Testament seems old, it seems out of place, it seems like it doesn't apply, but it really does. And so we're in chapter 8, where we're going to be learning about the necessity to have a high priest. Now, I want you to think about the importance of an advocate, an advocate. Now, at some point in, in your life, you've needed an advocate. Uh, hopefully at some point in life, you've been an advocate for someone else. I, I can remember, how oh, this is years ago, where we had a single parent, part of our church family, and, and an unruly uh, ex-spouse, who uh, took this person to court and it was just kind of dramatic and overwhelming. And I actually was at part of the court proceedings uh, just to try to supply, supply some support. And, and you could tell as time went on, things were going well for the member of our church family. And, and, and primarily it's because 
unruly spouse had a better lawyer, just to be honest, who had a relationship with the judge. And of course, the judge makes all the decisions. And, and then as time went on, it was just devastating as a result. And, and I just walked away just heartbroken and thinking, wow, what, what an importance having the right lawyer or having the right advocate is. At least in this case, it was crucially important to have the right advocate. I've, I've traveled a lot and I can remember several times where I've been internationally and found myself in a bit of a pickle, I would say. Don't leave the details out because my wife is here. And, and I needed an advocate. I needed help. I was a foreigner. I was being treated like a foreigner. And God provided someone to help me, someone who knew who to talk to and who to connect me with and how, how to just help me. And it was just so important for me to have that advocate in that time of need. I mean, that, that may have been you. you. You may have been in a situation where you've needed that. Have you, ever, have you ever been out of work and someone came along as an advocate and found you the right person to talk to? Anybody was like that? Raise your hand. What about, have you helped somebody else? I love being an advocate when someone says, man, I just really need, and, and I go, I know the person that you need to talk to and I connect them. And it's just such a wonderful ministry. We, we all need advocates. We, we need someone who has the ability to stand between you and the need and who's, who's there to help. Now, when it comes to our faith, we need an advocate. But now, let me just tell you that if you study any major world religions, they all have advocates. There's always some priest figure in every world religion that, that is supposed to connect the worshiper with their God. Whatever system it is, like we prayed for the Hutans and they're in Nepal and, and, and one of the things they're doing is they're ministering to Buddhists. And Buddhists believe that the only way that they can connect with their God is through the monk or maybe in a different sect through a shaman. And, and it, we have many international workers who serve in Islamic countries. And, and when you're serving Islamic country, the people believe you have to have an imam in order to connect with God or in certain uh, nations, an ayatollah. And, and, and we have, we have uh, some missionaries in Italy and, and they work amongst Roman Catholicism and, and Roman Catholics traditionally believe you have to have a priest, an earthly priest to make that connection, to take your prayers to God and to deliver the sacrament, all these things. Uh, if in Mormonism, there, there's a prophet and you cannot connect with God unless you hear from him. So all of these faith have this, this person who becomes the go-between. You cannot have access to God unless you go through that person. But let me remind you and make sure you understand this. That is exactly the same with biblical Christianity. You have to have an advocate in order to approach a holy God. You cannot approach a holy God without this advocate. Why would you think you could? You're too sinful. You're too unrighteous. You're too unholy. How, how do you expect to go into the presence or have access to a perfectly pure, sinless, almighty and holy God unless you have someone who can help you with the access? In other words, you need a high priest. You absolutely need a high priest. And, and that's, that was the case with the nation of Israel. And in Leviticus, we've been learning about the sacrifices because, so remember, uh, the Israelites were redeemed from Egypt and now they're free. And Moses went up Mount Sinai and received the law. And he's instructing them on how they are to obey God and how they're to love God and be holy. And God said, now build me a tent. Y'all are living in tents. Build me a tent so I can live with you. 
And so they built him this glorious tabernacle, this beautiful tent, this tent that was so elaborate and, and, and intricate in its design. It, it literally looked like Eden. It, it symbolized heaven. It was sort of that connection there on earth and in this beautiful tent in the middle in the most holy place was the Ark of the Covenant and God would rest his glorious presence there. God would be with his people. But, but the problem was there was this veil between that, that holy place and the outside because the holiness of God was contained in the most holy place, but outside was unholiness and there was no way to get in between. And so, and so what God needed to do is to provide a means for his people to have access to him. So first, he gave them the sacrifices, and we've been learning all about these sacrifices and their importance, like the burnt offering, and the sin offering, and the guilt offering, and the peace offering, and all of these things that, that a worshiper could then offer the sacrifices in order to appease a holy God so they could have access to God and meet with God. But, but there's still this one individual that, that needs to, to stand between a holy God and an unholy people, a sinless God and a sinful people, and that is a priest, and particularly a high priest who God would allow access so that the people could worship God and, and, and he could bring their prayers to God and have a relationship with God. And Leviticus 8 is all about this high priest. And there are some really important things about this. And so I want you to be thinking about how important it is for you to have the right advocate. You have to have the right advocate. And, and, and who was the right advocate for Israel? It was, it was the high priest, beginning with a person named Aaron. So let me, let me read from Leviticus 8, and then, and then we're going to look at the, the characteristics of, of the high priest. So here's, here's what Moses wrote. Now again, Moses is writing all of this, the first five books of your Bible. He's writing this near the end of his life as the children of Israel are getting ready to cross over into Canaan. And, and he's just saying, I remember this, remember the law, remember all these instructions. And so he was writing down all of these things in Leviticus so that they would continue to obey them. And so he, he's, he's recalling this, and this is what he writes as the Holy Spirit helped him to write these things. It says, the Lord spoke to Moses, take Aaron, his sons with him, the garments, the anointing oil, the bull of the sin offering, the two rams, and the basket of unleavened bread, and assemble the whole community at the entrance of the tent of meeting. That's the tabernacle. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him, and the community assembled at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Moses said to them, this is what the Lord has commanded to be done. Let's pray. Father, these words are your words. And our foundation, our faith is built upon them. And now, just as you empowered the priests of old by your spirit, would you empower us? Give us ears to hear. Give us hearts to obey. Let us know again who our high priest is and why, why he is absolutely necessary in our lives. And we, we're so grateful for Jesus Christ, your son, our high priest today. We pray in his name. Amen. All right, now, it was Aaron and his sons that were to be designated the priests, the go-betweens for the nation of Israel. And, and Moses was given detailed instruction as to how these men would become the go-betweens. 
and what, what was necessary in order for them to be uh, ordained and set apart for this important task. And, and so uh, Aaron and his sons were, were a part of the Levitical tribe. And it's a good question to ask, why was it the tribe of Levi? Why uh, was it the Levites that were tasked to be the priests? You had 12 tribes. Why the Levites? Well, now, if you remember the story when Moses went up the mountain to receive the law, and then when he came down with the tablets and he met Joshua, and then they're coming down back to the people and they hear all this noise and Joshua thinks there's a war and Moses thinks there's a party going on. You remember that? And when they came down, what were all the people doing? Horrible things. So they had decided Moses is gone. He's not coming back. We need a God. And so Aaron just, the crowd got out of control. He allows them to fashion this golden calf. And now they're worshiping and committing all kinds of immoral acts around it. Literally, the Bible says they were in this frenzied mob out of control. And Moses was so mad. He throws down the tablets and they break. And he just commands this to stop. He orders the golden calf to be just turned into dust and he makes the people drink it. And then he says, okay, I need some people who are gonna stand with me who oppose what's going on. So he just asked, he asked all, all of Israel, he said, who would stand with me on this day? And the tribe of Levi stepped, stepped forward and said, we're with you, Moses. So it was the tribe of Levi that stepped forward and Moses said, get your swords. And they killed 3,000 Israelites that day. And then it says in, in Exodus 32 that God, he set apart the nation from the nation, the tribe of Levi to be his anointed or special priests, right? And he blessed them. And from that moment on, they became the go-betweens of all of Israel. They became the go-betweens between a sinful people and a sinless God. And, uh, and, but that wasn't God's initial desire, by the way, because again, if you go to Exodus, what God really wanted is for all of Israel to become his priests. He said, I want you to be a kingdom of priests with me. Like he says, you, I don't want you to have to have a go-between. But because of their sin, because of their unrighteousness, he, he had to establish the priesthood. Now for us, here's the good news. In the new covenant, we all are a priesthood. We all function as a royal priesthood. So we don't need an earthly go-between. We still need a high priest, and we'll get to that. But, but we're blessed to be in the new covenant. Well, for Israel, they needed the priesthood, and, and it was going to be Aaron and his sons. <laughs> and so Moses, he takes all the necessary things that, that are going to need to be enacted for Aaron to be set apart in his sons. So he's got uh, the clothing that was necessary, the garments, the anointing oil, the bull for the sin offering, the two rams for other offerings and, and unleavened bread. And he calls all the leaders of Israel to gather together and they're gonna have this tremendous moment here uh, of setting them apart. Now, the first lesson that you need to know is that the high priest that was needed then had to have the right clothes, right? And the high, high priest that we need is, is someone who is clothed in righteousness, right? We need a high priest who is clothed in righteousness. So keep that in mind. Right now, in verse six, then Moses presented Aaron and his sons, and he's presenting them to the Lord in front of all the people. 
and he washed them with water, and then he put the garments on Aaron. He, he put the tunic on Aaron, he wrapped a sash around him, he clothed him with the robe, he put the ephod around him, it was like this very elaborate apron, he put the woven band of the ephod around him and fastened that to him, so all these intricate clothing, and then he puts the breastplate on him, over his heart, and then within that is these two special stones, Uman and Thuman, he puts in the breastplate, and then he puts this turban, white turban, on his sort of like a crown-like thing on his head, and he puts the gold medallion there, the holy diadem, right in front of, of the turban, everything just as, as the Lord commanded. And so now Aaron has got all of these clothes, and every bit of the clothing represents something. It's all symbolic. In essence, basically, Aaron now is, is wearing a mini tabernacle. Remember, this tabernacle was this beautiful picture of, of the, the beauty of God and the radiance of God and the holiness of God with its gold and its fabric and all of that. And it's sort of like this, you know, Eden-like, but also heavenly, heaven-like. And it was just the connection there where God would meet with his people. And then, and then Aaron, he's like very heavenly as well. He's just, he's got like this white robe and he's got all this gold and, and he's got this ephod and, and on the shoulders is the names of the tribes of Israel. It's all found in Exodus and it's like, okay, you're going to bear the responsibility of, of the nation on your shoulders. And then the breastplate is this beautiful, intricate square with all these precious stones, the tribes of Israel. And they're just all there over his heart, representing God and, and, and the discerning of the will of God with these special stones and the diadem. And on the diadem, it was inscribed in Hebrew, holy unto the Lord, right? Because that's the whole thing. The whole thing is... God is holy. He wants his people to be holy. They needed someone who was holy to connect them. And so this now, this adorned priest, Aaron, was, 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 was uh, clothed with, with the holiness or the righteousness of God. And he was, he was set before the people. And, and so it is absolutely necessary for the right mediator to have the right clothing. The right clothing will allow the right access. So, so we need a high priest who bears the right clothes who is clothed with the righteousness and the purity of God and, and someone actually who can give you the right clothing, that you also might be clothed with the righteousness of God. All right now, second, we need a high priest who is consecrated by the Spirit of God. He needs to be clothed with the righteousness of God, but he also needs to be consecrated or, or anointed with the Spirit of God. So from clothing, we move to consecration. Verse 10. Then Moses took the anointing oil and anointed the tabernacle and everything in it to consecrate it. Right? So this special oil, the ingredients were found in Exodus, and they make this special con concoction of oil. And then Moses is going to take this and start sprinkling it all over the furniture and the altar, everything in the tabernacle. In other words, he's, he's, he's anointing it. And, and he sprinkles some of the oil on the altar seven times anointing the altar, preparing it for the sacrifice. And then he pours some of the anointing oil on Aaron's head and he anoints Aaron and he consecrates him. Then he did the same thing with his sons. He gave the sons the right clothing, the priestly clothing, and then he anoints them all as the Lord had commanded. And, and the oil symbolized the anointing or the presence of the Holy Spirit, right? So the, the oil represents the help that is given by the Holy Spirit. And then what we're going to see later, 
with kings like David, anointed with oil as king and the spirit comes upon him. And we see that in the Old Testament where the anointing and the spirit coming upon someone is connected. And, uh, and so we see the absolute necessity of this, the presence of God's spirit in helping, in helping. And, and, and this, this happened to Aaron. So, so this oil becomes this, this symbol for anointing. I remember at times when, when my mom would make a meal, because she's making a little bit more of an elaborate Italian dish for us. And she sets it out before us and here's this beautiful dish of pasta. She would take some, some really fine olive oil and she would, she would anoint it, just pour it over it just a little bit. You know, it's wonderful, it's a beautiful thing. And uh, you Southerners, you do that with barbecue sauce. You anoint, you baptize your food with barbecue sauce. It's, it's a wonderful thing. And, and, and if you're anointing it. And, and what we know, that it is absolutely necessary for whoever's going to be the go-between between you and God, that that person is anointed by the Holy Spirit. Now, like, again... What if, your, what if your religion doesn't have that? What if your go-between, your priest, isn't empowered uh, by the Holy Spirit? Then you've got the wrong advocate. Like, I'm, 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 I mean this. It's not just like all these roads make it to heaven. If your go-between, your advocate, is not empowered and anointed by the Holy Spirit, you've got the wrong one. And, and Aaron was anointed. And, and the Spirit of God came upon that tabernacle. We're going to see that and help them. So, so we, we absolutely need the Holy Spirit, and we need for our high priests to be helped by the Holy Spirit. Now, the third, here's the third. We're going to go from clothing to consecration to purification. The high priest we need must be pure and sinless. That, that's a lot. The high priest you need, if you're going to have a relationship with a holy God, if you're going to have access to God, your go-between, your advocate has got to be pure and sinless. Now, now the problem is, how do we get Aaron there? All right, well, by the blood sacrifice. He's going to have to make sacrifices. So Moses brings the bull, I'm in verse 14, <laughs> he brought the bull near for the sin offering. And Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the bull for the sin offering. Then Moses slaughters the bull, takes the blood. He applies it with his finger to the horns of the altar on all sides, purifying the altar. He poured out the blood um, at the base of the altar and consecrated it so that atonement might be made. Now we've, we've learned this. So you've got the sin offering. And when a priest who is not perfect... Right? Aaron was not a perfect man. He was a sinful man, just like you are. So he had to have his sins atoned for before he could function as the go-between. He had to have his own sins atoned for. Atonement means covered, right? Paid for, covered. And so here comes the bull, and this costly animal comes forward there at the front of the tabernacle. And Moses and his sons, they... They lay their hands on the head of this bull and they ask God if, he, if, if God would take their sin and their unrighteousness and impute it upon the bull. So the bull becomes sin. The bull becomes unrighteous. Their unrighteousness, their unholiness is now imputed upon this bull, hands off. Now 
that bull bears the sin and must be judged. And the wages of sin is what? What is it? Kill the bull. Pay. So the bull is killed. Now Moses comes along and he's filling his basin full of blood. And then he takes it to the huge altar of sacrifice and he starts wiping it on the corners, the horns there. And then he completely washes the altar with the blood. He's just splashing the blood upon the altar. In other words, the altar now has been consecrated to receive the sin offering. Aaron and his sons cut it up. They, they placed the appropriate parts on top of the offering all so that their sins might be atoned for, that, 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 that they might become purified by way of the sacrifice. The blood becomes the detergent to remove the stain of their sin. The blood is the only detergent that can wash away the stain of their sin. And in doing so, the atonement was made. So, so now, what are we learning? The blood sacrifice is absolutely necessary in order to cover the sin. You cannot approach God unless the appropriate blood sacrifice has been made. And we, we need a blood sacrifice. And we need a high priest then who can approach God who is pure and without sin. So Aaron became pure because of the blood sacrifice, but our high priest needs to be pure and without sin. Now the fourth, the fourth lesson is ordination. Right? With clothing, consecration, purification, and now ordination. Ordination is, is when a person is set apart for a particular service, right? Just let me pull you out for a particular thing. And, and the high priest we need has been set apart, and here, here is the thing, to serve us. We need a high priest who has been set apart to serve us. And, and that became the responsibility of Aaron and his sons to serve the people. So next, the, uh, after the, the, the sin offering, there were two male lambs, two rams. One was killed and offered as a burnt offering, but there was a second one for a special offering that Moses calls the ordination offering. So he presents, verse 22, the second ram, the ram of ordination, and Aaron and his sons laid their hands on that, and they're going to be set apart now for this special act of service. Moses slaughters it, took some of the blood, and, and just as he's offering the blood on the altar, Moses then takes some of the blood, like in the basement, basin, and he takes it with his fingers, and, and he now puts it on Aaron's right earlobe, and then he puts some on Aaron's right thumb, and then he puts some on Aaron's right big toe. So he's covering his ear and his thumb and his big toe with blood. And, and this is a special sort of setting apart Aaron to function as a priest, all right? So why the earlobe and the thumb and the big toe? Bible doesn't say. I'm, because you know I'm full of opinions. So here's my, here's my opinion on this. And, and I, think, I, think he, I think he puts the blood on his earlobe because he wants the priest to be able to hear 
hear the word of God and obey it. Let's give this priest ears to hear, hear and obey. The thumb on the right hand is where you execute God's commands. This is where you do, right? This is the obedience. The Bible loves to describe the strong right arm of acting in obedience to God. And then the toe, I think, represents the, the walking, which is a lifestyle that, 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 that Aaron now would walk righteously in a manner that pleases the Lord. Hear the word, obey, uh, execute God's commands, and do with strength and walk righteously before God. He's, he, whatever, it's just Aaron is being set apart to serve. A very special setting apart. And, and he, he's, his, his imperfection is all being atoned for so that he can be set apart. We need a high priest who has been set apart specifically for the duty of serving the people, serving the people. Keep that in mind. All right, now, what happens next? Two more lessons. One, the high priest that we need has to be given access to enter into the presence of God. So even after all of this, if this priest or if this high priest still cannot have access into the very presence of God, you got the wrong advocate. You can do all these things, but if he cannot stand before a holy God and not be killed, then you got the wrong guy. So now with, with Aaron, after all of this, the clothing and the consecration and the purification and the ordination, now it's time to see, can he walk into the tent of meeting and stand before the veil and not be disintegrated, right? Because that, like, that's what would happen to you right now. If, 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 if the Almighty were to appear right before you face to face, you'd just become dust. Right? There's, there'd be no handshaking. That's not what would happen. The holiness and the glory and the radiance of God would just destroy you. You, you have to have help in order to get access to a holy God. And, and so now we got to see if, if Aaron, if all of this has given him access. And so we're now in, in chapter 9. And all these sacrifices were made and all of this was enacted. So in verse 22, Aaron, he lifts up his hands towards the people and he blesses them. And he comes down to the people, and now the high priest starts offering sacrifices on behalf of the people, right? He was set apart to do this. And, and so he offers the sin offering and the burnt offering and the fellowship offering all for the people. But remember, he now has to take some of the blood and go into the holy place. So let's see what happens. Moses and Aaron then entered the tent of meeting. When they came out, praise God, it worked. <laughs> it worked. God accepted them to be able to enter into his presence. So they came out and they came out and they blessed the people and the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people and fire came down from the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat portions that Aaron had placed on the altar. And so here now the, the glory of God is revealed and fire from heaven come down and whoosh and just completely eat up all of that, uh, that that was placed on the altar and consume it. And God was pleased and the people all saw it and they shouted and they fell down faceward, which is the appropriate posture when you're confronted by the glory and the holiness of God. 
they just fell down and worshiped. And it was a wonderful thing, you see, because now it was possible for a sinful people to meet with a sinless God. Now it was possible, you see, for, for someone who is unrighteous to plead with the righteousness of God and for those pleas to be heard. Now you could pray and, and, and those prayers would be given to God. Now you could confess your sin and God would receive it and forgive you. Now it was possible to worship with God and relate to God. Now you have access to God because of the high priest. And Israel started to worship. And it was a beautiful thing. But it was the priest that made it all possible. Now the last thing. And this is an important lesson because, again, Aaron and his sons were still weak men. Yes, they were set apart and ordained, but they were not perfect. And, and so the last thing is that we need a high priest who is completely obedient to God, even unto death. Now look what happens in, verse, in chapter 10, just at the beginning. Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, each took his own fire pan, put fire in it, placed incense on it. All right, so now part of the priestly duty is that you have this special concoction of, of incense, fragrances that you set on fire and it creates a smoke. And then you, you go into the holy place and you go right to the altar of incense, right there before the veil, right behind the veil is the ark where the presence of God is. So you're really close really close to the glory of God. But you have to take this special fragrance and you put it in the basin, uh, make sure it's burning so it's constantly producing smoke because the smoke represents the prayers of the people. Well, so now, is it just early on, just a few days after all of this, and, and Aaron's sons who had been consecrated and ordained the whole thing, they decide they're gonna offer some fragrance that, that God didn't command. Like they're going into their spice cabinet and they're pulling out some spices. Like they're going in their essential oil drawer and they're pulling out some essential oils and they're thinking, hey, let's whip up this concoction. Right? I mean, God will accept it, I'm sure. So, so they presented what the Bible calls unauthorized fire. In your Bible translation, it may say strange fire. They offered to God what God did not command. They offered worship that was not pleasing to God. And so, verse 2, God killed them. Then fire came from the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. Wow. Even the anointed, ordained priest disobedient and offering worship that God would not receive and God destroys them. My God is holy and I'm very glad that he is by the way. My God is holy. I don't know if your God is holy. Your God may just be like a lot lesser my God is holy. 
And my God only receives obedient offerings. The whole Old Testament is about people making sacrifices that God doesn't accept. He says, you offer me these sacrifices, your heart isn't in it, your obedience is not there. I don't care about these things. And he wouldn't receive it. And so now he speaks to Moses who speaks to Aaron who just lost his sons and says, I will demonstrate my holiness to those who are near me. I will reveal my glory before all the people. And all Aaron could do is remain silent. And Aaron and his sons, they were priests, but they were weak. And they failed. And the story of the Old Testament, just to be honest, is 2,000 years of failed worship either by the priests or by the people or by the kings. And at times God would receive their offerings and sacrifices and bless them. And then other times he would just say, what are you, what are you people doing? You, you, you sacrifice to idols on Friday, then you come sacrifice to me on Saturday. What is, I know, it's not how this works. And there was just this constant failure to worship God appropriately with hearts of obedience for 2,000 years until finally, finally God said, it is time for me to provide my people the right high priest. And that's what Easter is all about. Now, you can have a shallow understanding of Easter or you can have a holy understanding of Easter. And you need Leviticus for you to have a holy understanding of what Christ did for us on the cross. You see, if you remember, the high priest that we need has to be clothed with the righteousness of God. Jesus, the Son of God, clothed with the righteousness and the glory of the Almighty, came down, he condescended himself down to earth, and he took on human flesh. There was a moment during his earthly ministry where he allowed Peter, James, and John to catch a glimpse of his clothing. <laughs> you remember what happened on the mount? They saw him in brilliant, radiant purity. They saw the robe of righteousness. Well, but Jesus is willing not to show that robe. As a matter of fact, it was on the night in which he was betrayed that he even disrobed himself and, and put on the, the clothing of a slave and knelt before his disciples and washed their feet. On the cross, they would put a robe on him bloodied it, and we crown on him of thorns and beat it on his head, and that became, my friends, the clothing of righteousness that we needed. The high priest we need must be clothed with the righteousness of God, and my friends, that is Jesus Christ. Also, if you remember, the high priest that we need must be consecrated by the Holy Spirit. It was the angel who said to Mary, it is the Holy Spirit 
who will help you to become pregnant. You will be conceived by the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was baptized, the Holy Spirit came upon him. His first sermon said, I am empowered by the Holy Spirit to proclaim the good news to set captives free. It was the Spirit who came upon him and empowered his ministry to face Satan and overcome temptation. He was completely consecrated by the Spirit of God. We need that in our high priest. We need that. And, and we need a high priest that must be pure and sinless, not like Aaron or his sons. And my friends, that was Jesus. Tempted in every way, the author of Hebrews says, and yet without sin. He did not need to make a sin offering for himself. He became a sin offering for you. He didn't need to make sacrifices. He was pure. He was perfect. He was sinless. But the high priest became a sin offering on the cross for you. The high priest that we need must be pure and sinless. That's why Paul says in Romans chapter 8, God condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as a sin offering. And then, of course, the high priest that we need has to be set apart for a special service. Just as Aaron was set apart for a special service, a special duty, we need our high priest, Jesus. Jesus said to his disciples, he called himself the son of man. He said, the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. He knew that he came to serve by giving his life. That was his service to us so that we ultimately would be able to have a relationship with God. He, he said in Luke chapter 22, I am among you as one who serves. That was his service. He came to become our atoning sacrifice, and we need that. We need a high priest also that has been given access into the very presence of God. Remember, Aaron finally was able to go into the holy place. And next week we'll learn he was even once a year given access into the most holy place. Listen, we need a high priest who has access to the very throne room of heaven. That's where God is. And my friends, that's Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You cannot have access to God, but what? Through him. That's the key. The only way you can have access to God is through him, by your faith in him. And finally, we need a high priest who was obedient, perfectly obedient to God, even to the point of death. Now, this is Palm Sunday, and Jesus comes riding into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey and the people were shouting what? Hosanna, prepare the way of the Lord. And then in three days, what were they shouting? They were shouting, Jesus knew that when he came into Jerusalem, what obedience meant. Jesus knew what obedience meant. He knew he would have to face the cross. Obedience even to the point of death this is the way Paul describes it to the church. 
He, Jesus, humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Now, I'm going to put all this together in the words of the author of Hebrews chapter 7. Now that you know all that needed to happen with the Levitical priesthood, how much greater is the priesthood that we enjoy with Jesus as our great high priest. Now, no, this will connect everything. Hebrews 7. Now, many have become Levitical priests. Like throughout the ages, there have been thousands and thousands of Levitical priests. Since they are prevented by death from remaining in office. In other words, even the Levitical priests set apart, they're still imperfect, sinful people, or they eventually die. So you need a lot of them, right? But because Jesus remains forever, you can say amen to that, he holds his priesthood permanently, therefore he is able to save completely. Because Jesus is eternal, he lives forever. He will never lose his role as priest. He is a priest permanently, which means he is able to save completely those who come to God. What's the word? Through him. Only way you get there. Through him. Since he always lives to serve us. He constantly lives to serve us, to intercede for us on, on God's behalf. For this is the kind of high priest we need, one who is holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He doesn't need to offer sacrifices every day as the high priests of old did, first for their own sins, remember like Aaron, then for the sins of the people. For the law appoints as high priests men who are weak. But the promise of the oath, which comes after the law, appoints a son who has been perfected forever. Do you know this high priest? Is he your advocate to God? Have you gone through him? Have you placed your faith, and your life in him? Friends, if not, I, I, I plead with you to consider Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. The only way you can have access to God and entrance into heaven is through Jesus and his atoning sacrifice on the cross for you. And look, he proved himself victorious over sin and death, did he not? Because he rose again. We're going to celebrate that on Sunday. Next. But you've got to have Jesus as your advocate. And now if you do, if you do, can I remind you how good Jesus is? And would you spend this week just thanking Jesus for his perfect obedience, everything he did on that week leading up to the cross? Would you just delight in Jesus this week? I'm telling you, it'll change your life. Just a constant attention and focus on the fact that you have the right advocate, the one who did all of that so that you can go to God. Father,
Thank you for your son, our perfect high priest. Thank you that he, through his, the sacrifice of his own blood, once and for all, has given us access to you. Even in this moment, as I'm praying, Jesus is taking these prayers and offering them to you. Thank you. Thank you, God, for such a high priest. May we love him, live to serve him, and tell others about him. We pray this in his name. Amen. <laughs>